Welcome to the interview. I'm Christopher Saul, and today we're going to be speaking with Superintendent of Okaloosa Schools, Marcus Chambers. Chambers has been the superintendent for some time now, and we sat down to talk a little bit about the half-cent sales tax, uh, what they're looking to build, whether or not they will build new schools in the Niceville Valparaiso area, and what that might look like here in the near future. We'll talk about trends in terms of the number of students that are coming to this area, and a whole lot more other things that I think you'll find interesting, stuff like whether or not we're going to continue to have middle school sports. Uh, lots of different stuff to talk about, so let's go right into it. Well, first of all, I appreciate uh, this opportunity and us being together. Uh, I'd say one of the things that we look at in our district is we want to say, what is the next generation of Okaloosa schools going to look like, and what does that mean for our students? And we have six pillars, and just very quickly, you know, we look at academic excellence, we look at continuous learning, student-focused, having modern innovation, safer schools, and community engagement. So we want to create an environment for our employees, but most importantly for our students, to where we're doing really good things for them. Simplistically, you know, my goal is when kids walk across that stage in May, they're prepared for three things, so to college, to workforce, or the military. So if we can do a very good job doing that, I think at the end of the day, that's something that we as Oklahoma County Schools can feel very confident about. So Oklahoma County in general is above above the average of Florida statewide graduation rates. Um, it's also, I mean, I look at Niceville High School, which has a 97, 98% graduation rate. Um, I, I guess my question is twofold. A, how, how is it that high? Yeah. Uh, how do you guys ensure success in that range? And then I was looking at data from 20 years ago, statewide, something like six in 10 people that started high school finished it. And now it's nine and ten. So what, what has changed in education in the last 20 years? So when you look at our six uh, traditional high schools, uh, they do very well on their, on their graduation rate. Anywhere from 91.7, I believe, all the way up towards 98% uh, graduation rate. So to do that, it takes a, it takes a lot. So first of all, you've got to have teachers who are doing a great job connecting with kids. You know, teachers who are building those relationships. But it's also what happens in that front office for those guidance counselors. They do a great job connecting with students, calling them up. You know, are we behind on a course? Are we behind on a state assessment that has to be passed by, by state law? So it's really wrapping your arms around kids, every kid literally, to make sure that at the end of the day, our goal is to have 100% of kids graduate. So that's what we would absolutely love to see. But overall, when you look at where we are in our school district and our six traditional high schools, they do a great job graduating kids and obviously providing the future. And uh, looking at that future, talking about um, the growth or how it stayed the same or the populations that you guys are working with, especially in the Niceville area, um, what, what does the future look like for, for schooling uh, and, you know, schools themselves, the buildings here in the Niceville area? So I like to say public education has changed. And for us, it's changing on what we want our, our schools to look like, our current schools, and even looking for growth in new schools. So one, we're very fortunate in Okaloosa County three years ago to receive a half-cent sales tax. And that was an absolute game changer for our school district. We were one of two school districts in the entire state of Florida to not have additional revenue for our schools. So now what are we able to do, even specifically in the Niceville area, but also across the entire county? When we were blessed to receive the half-cent sales tax dollars, first and foremost, we knew safety was number one. We had already started single point of entry and perimeter fencing. And why did we do that? Because that was a strong recommendation from the sheriff. 
a strong recommendation from military officials and safety experts. So first and foremost, we wanted to make sure our single point of entry was done, the perimeter fencing was done, our communication devices within our schools. So heaven forbid there was an incident that occurred, we have solid communication. Our video camera systems being connected with the sheriff's offices, video camera systems. So safety was first and foremost, but we knew once that was done, we had to go further. When you look at capacity in schools, they say once you reach about 85% of a school building being filled, you should start looking at new schools. Well, in our entire school district, almost every single school besides, I believe, two is well over 85%. All 38. All or 36. What about two? 36 okay. of 38. Many of those schools are 100% plus capacity. Blue Water Elementary, for example, approximately 11 portables. Blue Elementary has portables. Ruckle Middle School has portables. So the goal over time will be to eliminate portables. But how do you do that? Well, you either got to look at building new schools or you got to look at doing classroom additions. And I'm sure we'll go further into that. But the Niceville area, um, there's a lot that's been done, you know, in terms of we're, built, we're building new cafeterias. Uh, we're actually doing roofs, and we're actually starting the planning phase for what will eventually become a new elementary school in the central zone. So uh, you mentioned an elementary school, you know, in the central zone, and I want to get to that. But I think uh, a context is a really important piece of this. Uh, the half-cent sales tax. Um, is that something that can build new schools everywhere all the time? Like how much revenue is that? And what, what are you looking at uh, cost-wise when it comes to building a new school? Absolutely. So when you start looking at an elementary school, it's approximately anywhere from 50 to 60 million. And of course, uh, parts and, and pieces, the prices continue to go up. So that's current day, about 50 to 60 million. A middle school, approximately 80 million. And a high school, approximately 120 million. So there's a lot of dollars that uh, goes into building a new school. But with the half-cent sales tax, currently, no new schools that we're looking at will be funded through half-cent sales tax dollars. So we figured by this point, we're three years into the half-cent sales tax, we figured that we would generate approximately a little over $50 million. We've actually generated about $91 million. Oh, wow. So almost $32 million more we've generated. Why? Because folks are coming to our area, tourists are coming to our area, our businesses are doing a great job. So we've been able to generate approximately $32 million more. Originally, we were supposed to get about $219 million from the half-cent sales tax. If the trends stay currently like they are, we will generate approximately $300 million. So now what does that mean? First and foremost, we will be sure that we hit every school's school project list for the half-cent sales tax. That's what we promised the voters, and that's exactly what we're going to do. But there will come a point in time where we will hit every, every school's project list, and then there's going to be extra money. But when I say extra, I said $300 million might be generated. When we created the list at the very beginning, we had well over $500 million worth of projects. So we still won't be able to hit all of those. But what we will do is what was on the referendum, which is uh, new construction, land, renovation, technology. So we'll look at those type of areas and say, what do we need to reprogram? Do we need to build 
a new school? Do we need to do another classroom addition? So we will, once the school project lists are complete, look at that referendum, have it planned accordingly, and make uh, adjustments in new school construction or just additions at schools um, in a methodical manner. So essentially the plan is to go through the first $500 million of projects that you guys have lined up, right? And so the, the 10 years that the half-cent sales tax will run will give you roughly $300 million, right? If, so if the trends if continue. It, if the trends continue, right? If we don't have a recession or we don't have, uh, nobody wants to go to the beach anymore, stuff like that. Um, does that mean that in the next 10-year stint, we would start to see new school construction? You know, now that my kids are bringing home a bunch of art from their preschools, uh, it's kind of starting to stack up, or at least it used to until I got Deer. Deer is an app that you can get on your phone that allows you to scan all of your kids' art and macaroni shell necklace art paintings and, you know, coloring and stuff like that into one place, and then you can throw it away when they're not looking and keep those memories forever so that you have them, but you don't have the clutter that goes with it. Again, that's the Deer app. Check them out on the App Store. You can thank me later. So if I, if I take a step back, so right now we're in the process of uh, building a new school in the Crestview area, okay. a, a K-8 school. So that is happening. We're also in the, uh, right now, looking at a new three through five center at Destin Elementary. Okay. Destin Elementary is one of our largest elementaries just with a pre-K through grade four. So we're going through that process right now as well. So those are the two schools that right now we're in the process of constructing, but we're also looking at the Niceville area. Like we've talked about here internally, Niceville over the last number of years hasn't really gone up in enrollment. But we know over in Deer Moss Creek, they're building new homes, new apartments. We know with Eglin, there's folks that are gonna be coming here, more and more troops will be coming here. Every quarter, we meet with Eglin to talk about uh, many different topics, but some of it also is, you know, folks coming. So we have to be prepared in the Niceville area as well, and we will, which is why we've looked at purchasing uh, some land over in the Deer Moss Creek, and we're about to finalize that uh, purchase here in the February month. Once that's done, that doesn't mean we'll start building a new school. We just have that land, and now we're prepared when we need to build a new school. But the, the first phase right now is the K-8 in Crestview, the 3-5 in uh, Destin. And if you don't mind, I'd like to say, because people say, well, why, why the K-8 in Crestview? Well, right now, every school in the Crestview area is over capacity, every elementary, every middle school. So this new school will create capacity at every elementary and both middle schools in the Crestview area. So it's going to provide relief in those areas while building a new school as well. And looking back on kind of the Niceville area, uh, can you kind of dig into the demographics of what you're seeing in terms of population trends specifically? I, I feel like we've talked in the past about how especially the high school age population is maybe more more static. And we're seeing some growth in the uh, the elementary school, maybe not much, um, but as as we look at all these statistics and looking forward, looking at Deer Moss Creek, is there um, a timeline at which you guys will really start to say, okay, we need to uh, look more seriously at building a new school in that area because this many houses have been built in Deer Moss Creek or something like that? 
So first and foremost, every school in the Niceville area is over capacity. Mm -hmm. So, so we know that, but we also know that where they are in terms of the, the buildings, in terms of the portables that are there, they're able to handle the enrollment that they have. Ideally, you'd like to have no portables, right? So that's, so that piece is on our mind. We have the land, um, that's purchased where, where we'll be ready to go when the need arises. However, you got to look at dollars and cents as well. So we already have a, uh, what you call a COP for the 19 projects that are happening over 15 different schools across our county. And so we're building cafeterias, multi-purpose buildings, and classroom additions. So 19 of those projects across 15 schools. Well, that's about 120 million that we borrowed to be able to do that. Now, what's paying that? The half cent sales tax is what's paying that. And what school districts do across the nation is you borrow that money so that way you can do all those projects at one time, and then you pay it back through the half cent sales tax uh, within the 10 years that, that we have the half cent sales tax. We did not want to extend it beyond that. Didn't think that that would be responsible. So we have that going on. We'll also look at another COP that we'll fund with our capital dollars, not half cent sales tax. Our capital dollars will now allow us to do the K-8 school that we've talked about, the 3-5 school that we talked about, as well as a few other projects. So that's going to cost a certain amount of money as well. So what we do is look at what will our capital dollars allow us to do over time? What will the half cent sales tax dollars do over time once the school project lists are done? So we take all of that into account. So there will come a time in the next three to five years, well, where the Niceville Elementary will, will start construction, where Eglin Elementary, because we have a project with the base in the, in the military, where we'll do something with Eglin Elementary. But all of this is programmed over time with the dollars available and with vision in, in mind to be able to, to do all of these projects. And so what I, I think one of the things that maybe I'm not understanding totally is the, how the determination of capacity, right? Because to me, that's just a number that's been selected. How do you guys determine what capacity is and when you guys are over capacity? So in essence, you look at, simplistically, you look at, here's how many classrooms we have, and this is class size. So if class size at the elementary level is 18 and 22, we have this many, this many rooms. Okay. And so we, we know exactly how many classrooms that we would need. But many of our schools, you also have the portables. What you want to be at is approximately 90%. So that way you have room for students who are coming in where they can still attend their zone school. At our school district, we have the vast majority of our schools are probably 95 to 100% capacity, many 100% capacity and above due to portables that are in those uh, schools. Okay, so a school could, in theory, be at 105% capacity, but that's because you have X number of portables. Absolutely. And so uh, with uh, the cafeteria, the cafetorium kind of project, um, what I've been hearing from people who are a couple years ahead of me in their child rearing <laughs> is that the the new cafetoriums will fill a role of place to eat slash place to exercise, and then the old ones will become classrooms. Is that something that holds water? It does. So basically, like you said, it's a cafeteria and auditorium mixed, which is why they call them cafetoriums now. So it's the place where they can eat, but it's also a place where there can be activities. And then just like you said, now you have the old cafeteria. So what do you do with that? 
So at Ruckel, where we know that they're over capacity, now we'll be able to get approximately six, maybe eight classrooms out of the old cafeteria, which builds capacity as well. And so you would have the same number of teachers in theory because you have the same number of kids. You're just putting them in something that's not a portable building. Absolutely. And if you think most of our schools, when they were built 40 years ago, 50, 60 years ago, they were built, let's just say, to a 700 capacity. Now, Ruckel's sitting there with about 1,000 kids. So the cafeteria wasn't built for the number of kids that they have now, okay. which is why in the schools where we're building cafetoriums across the district, we're able to build a cafetorium to the size of enrollment that's currently there. And so as, as these, these buildings get built and uh, more kids come in uh, to these cafetoriums using them, are they, because they're not technically purpose-built, right? So you're going to have to build walls and doors and stuff like that, or is it kind of open space? It is. So if you envision a cafeteria with an auditorium, so there might be a stage there as well. So as you envision, it's a well-built building um, that allows the kids to have a, a kitchen area where, the, where our kitchen staff is preparing all the food. There's going to be tables in there for where the kids can sit. There's a stage where you're able to have parent um, nights or different student activities that will occur there as well. But this is a full-fledged, uh, well-constructed building. Perfect. Um, switching gears a little bit to uh, talk a little bit about your vision for the future. Um, what do you see specifically pertaining to Niceville, but even in general? What is, what is the vision that you have for, uh, for Okaloosa County Schools, Niceville Schools uh, over the next, I, as I, you're running for, you know, re-election unopposed, but like the next, assuming everything goes well and it is next four years, what does it look like in four years? So first and foremost, we want to continue to be a school district that uh, really provides you know, solid academic experiences for our students. And I say often we're an A-plus school district. The state of Florida rates us an A district based on academics. So we want to be strong there. So what does that mean? So we want to have strong academics where our kids, when they leave uh, high school, they can go to colleges that they want to go to. They can go to military. They can go to the workforce. Strong academically. We want to be strong with career and technical education. So we have about 19 different projects, excuse me, programs in our school district, and they all have industry certifications that the students can take at the end. So we want to have strong CTE programs that connect to local industry. So for example, so we now have a, a strong nursing program in our school district. So why did we do that? Because there's a nursing shortage. So now we have a strong nursing program at Crestview High School in the south end of the county, in the central end of the county, over there at the hospital in Fort Walton Beach, we actually have a nursing program on site where the kids take courses there on site and then walk over to the hospital. When you look at artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're one of two districts in the state of Florida to offer it. So why do we do it? Because of our military here, because of Boeing here. It's something that can translate to the local um, industry. Building trades, carpentry. So building trades is another one because the building industry came to us and said, what can we do? And we said, we will offer uh, more of these courses. So now almost every middle school has building trades and the vast majority of our high schools have that. So CTE is a strong piece to what we want to do academically. But then you shift over to the arts. We want to provide our kids the best band, course, theater, art, music programs that are out there. 
I believe our high school bands and our middle school bands and chorus, they can rival colleges. So the experiences that they're getting in the arts, I think is second to none. And then athletics. I like to say it's the three tier, which is why I call it uh, that we're an A plus school district. So the same thing, provide opportunities to our students with, with athletics, things that they wouldn't necessarily be able to do. And it, for some, it's the reason why they keep going and it helps our graduation rate as well. So if we can do a good job academically in the arts and athletically, I think we're going to be very strong. Also, over the next uh, four years, we want to continue with what we're doing with the momentum of the half cent sales tax and our capital dollars. So at the end of this year, you're going to see the vast majority of our classroom additions done. You're going to see our cafetoriums completed. You're going to see our multi-purpose buildings completed. So, but that's part, of, uh, that's, that's part of what we're trying to do. You're going to see air conditioning systems fully completed that we never were able to do before. You're going to see roofs completed. We used to just patch roofs. If you looked at the top of our buildings, you'd see 40 or 50 different patches. Now you see complete roofs done. We used to have the oldest bus fleet in the state of Florida. Now we have, at the end of this year, we'll have 91 new buses out of the 160 buses. So in another three to four years, every bus will be new. We didn't have a school bus replacement program before. Now we do. Over the course of the next four years, we'll have a new school built. We'll have a 3-5 center school built, and we'll be in the process of building additional schools in that time as well. You look at what we're doing for safety. We're continuing to enhance our school safety. We already, we already have the single point of entry and perimeter fencing, but what you'll see is going to be more security on the interior of the building that I can't necessarily talk about because you don't really talk about those things, but so much more on the safety side. You're going to see over the next four years, you're going to see band rooms being uh, renovated. So there's so much that's going to ha happen academically and then so much on the capital construction side as well, while continuing to build with uh, career and technical education. So that's just a, a quick summary of what we call the next generation of Okaloosa schools with the six pillars that I mentioned. But uh, so much has already occurred the last three years and so much more to come the next four. Um, I, something you touched on with the bus fleet um, is is that a, an effort to change start times at all, or will y'all be able to change start times at all? I understand that the state legislature's done some hanky panky and uh, made it change up a little bit to where you'll have new restrictions, right? So the the additional bus buses had nothing to do with uh, the change in start time from legislation. It started with we had the oldest bus fleet in the state, and we needed to fix that, and we didn't have a school bus replacement program, and we needed one. So that's why that started. However, by 2026, right now, if that legislation holds, the earliest a middle school student can start will be 8 o'clock, and the earliest a high school student can start will be 8.30. Now, for me as superintendent, uh, I know right now our high school students start at 7. What I uh, will not do is have our elementary kids starting at 7 just across the board. And I know we have some kids who are already at buses early, but what I do not want to do is have every elementary student at school bus stops early in the morning. So we've already started the process of looking at what will the school start times look like in our area. So we started that last semester. We have groups that are meeting the second semester. By 2025, we'll already run routes with our buses. 
because that's the key. The buses have to be able to do these new start times. In Okaloosa County, we have a three-tier bus system. Some school districts have a two-tier bus system. If you have a two-tier bus system, you have a lot more flexibility. And with a three-tier uh, bus system, that means that some kids are going to be picked up, dropped off, and then they go to the next tier, and then they go to the next tier. So that span over a certain amount of time. Now, would I like to come to a two-tier bus system? I would, but what would that mean? That would mean we have to hire even more bus drivers, which we have a bus driver shortage in Okaloosa as well as across the state of Florida. So getting new bus drivers would be difficult to go to a two-tier system. And then the other thing is we'd have to buy even more buses to go to a two-tier system. A lot of districts, and this isn't um, this isn't necessarily global, but a lot of school systems that have the two tiers are smaller school districts. Sure. Um, and then I guess my last question, uh, as a former middle school uh, coach, right, um, <clears throat> you coached a lot of people, including people I'm related to. Yes. Um, I understand that many districts throughout the state and then across the country don't have middle school sports. Is that something that a superintendent you're willing to continue? Uh, you know, there, there is added cost, but A, do you plan on continuing that? And B, why is it important to do so? So as long as I'm superintendent, we will absolutely have middle school sports. I think uh, sports in general, uh, middle school, high school, and of course, even kids at the elementary level in community sports. But I think sports is a, is a backbone uh, for school systems. I think students learn grit. They learn hard work. They learn routine. They learn discipline. They learn success. They learn failure. I think all of that comes about in sports. I think also students gain confidence uh, where at the very beginning of the season, they may not be as good as they would like to be. At the end of the season, all of a sudden, they're accomplishing their dreams. And then what does that do? That helps them academically. What does that do that helps them with their, their own mental mindset? So I think sports is a, for me, is something that I think is extremely important to our students. I think it's important to our community. And I think when it's balanced with what's first and foremost, which is academics, so when it's balanced with academics, the arts and athletics, I think that uh, great things are going to happen. What's the most exciting sports team for you right now in the county? Who have you been watching that you think is just, you know, superb right now? Well, I like to say, uh, as I'm the superintendent of the entire school district, I love all of our sports, sure. um, and we root for all of our teams. And uh, it's neat where if you go back probably five, ten years ago, we didn't necessarily have as many schools competing for state championships or individual state titles. Now you're seeing individual state titles. You're seeing team state titles. Um, but within the sports, I would be remiss if I didn't say our dance teams, our cheerleaders, um, some of the best athletes that we have, they win state titles, they win uh, national titles. So it's everything coming together. You asked a great question about middle school. Many, many school districts, they do not offer uh, middle school. And we have a wide array of sports at the middle school level. And again, I think it's important, but I wouldn't be able to choose just one. All right. Perfect. Well, Superintendent Chambers, thank you for your time today. Thank you for being with us and uh, best of luck in the new year. Thank you. I appreciate it.